Hello everybody and welcome back to Battlefield. It's been a while. Um, <laughs> a lot of things and changes have been coming to the surface. I know uh, my son started, uh, they have pretty much a summer program preschool, which kids go to break the ice technically. Um, and then, <laughs> so I had to kind of get used to that for at least an hour and a half. And of course, um, being by myself, for that hour and a half, uh, first time, I know I didn't know what to do with myself, especially as a mom who took her first to preschool. And so, um, and of course having pregnancy brain doesn't help. I know I've also been busy helping my mom with boarding. Uh, we board animals. So that's just kind of been, you know, a lot. And then with the heat, it sucks. So, uh, yeah, sorry about not being a showing up. I know I told you I would, uh, but life happens, and I know a lot of you understand that. So, welcome back. Uh, this is Chapter 7, which is the Essential Conversation Part 4, or Number 4, Dealing with the Fix-It Mentality. Okay, especially ladies who are smiling right now, or a lot of you who are going, that's right, Fix-It Mentality, because, uh, okay, so... A lot of you know what that is. For those of you who don't know what that is, which is okay because not a lot of you have actually um, got yourselves to that point yet in life uh, with a partner, especially a man partner, okay? So let me break it down for you. Men tend to be fixers by nature and the best fixers of all. Well, guess what, guys? Firefighters. Whether male or female, uh, they're like fixers on steroids, okay? If a building's on fire, they put it out, right? If someone's hurt or trapped, they rescue them. If a tool breaks, they fix that too. If the rig gets damaged, they repair it. They fix things. They fix people. Okay? That's their job. They're hired because they're good at it. If they see a problem, they must solve the problem anyway, anyhow, and often without proper resources or manpower, but very quickly. All right? They just simply get it done. Um, they turn chaos into order and restore Piece the scene of tragedy over and over again. Um, you know, and they, they fix people's problems on their worst days because this is what we ask of them. Um, and sometimes we don't even have to ask it of them. Sometimes they just do it because they want to. Okay? The mentality is so ingrained, though, so required, that it becomes part of who they are. And they can't help but bring it home with them. So Anne writes, in her first paragraph to this chapter, Anne writes, I once picked up Mike's, her husband's, bathrobe, which he'd hastily dropped in his early morning mad dash to the firehouse. Upon doing so, I stumbled across his slippers, which lay underneath his favorite expensive, soft, uncomfortable uh, lamb's wool slippers from Australia. We have laminate floors, which can get quite cold on bare feet, so Mike wears his warm slippers nearly year-round. In the half-light of pre-dawn, I noticed something odd about them. One toe seemed to shine. I turned on the overhead light. <laughs> My eyes widened surprise, and I laughed out loud. <laughs> Slapped... <laughs> you guys, it's great. Slapped piece metal across the toe of one slipper were layers and layers of silver duct tape... <laughs> <laughs> He'd had a small tear that caused the sole uh, to flap, hence the duct tape. 
If this doesn't truly embody the fix it mentality, I don't know what does. And guys, it's completely true because sometimes duct tape is the freaking answer to all fix it problems when it comes to um, fixing things um, physically, at least. Uh, materialistic things and those slippers are probably like and of course men won't say anything men who are listening by the way no one will say anything because they want that they have that mentality of I can fix it I can fix it unless you have a guy whose um, mentality is uh, never has fixed something in his life whatsoever and doesn't even know how to pick up a monkey wrench. So, um, for those of you who have that kind of man or a partner, should I say, good luck to you. Uh, cause my husband can fix things and he will figure out the most like way possible. Like sometimes, okay, first he'll start simple and then he'll be like, okay, well, that's not working. He'll climb the ladder until he gets to the point where he's like, okay, so this is what we need to do to fix it. So that's how he is. So, so as you can tell by, um, okay, so obviously when they have to fix stuff at a scene or a tragedy, especially with all that adrenaline rush going on, um, that we understand that firefighters bring their fix-it mentality home with them. But what happens when they do exactly? Well, how do you respond if they're trying to fix you? Hmm? Okay, I'll tell you. With explosion of rage and offense, okay, instead of putting the fire out, they just douse it with gasoline. All right? If, if you are, and I'm not saying fix it with rage and offense. No, that's not what I'm saying. Sorry. Wrong wording. Do not fix it. Do not... Um, you know, repercuss with rage and offense. Don't. Because then guess what? You just got doubt. You're then dousing gasoline, gasoline. What works well in the firefighter professional life can absolutely backfire in the personal one. So with firefighters, no matter how constructive your advice may seem to you, if it's coming across as criticism, it will only be destructive to the relationship, okay? Criticism is a death blow to a marriage because it kills trust. So be very careful how you speak. Seriously, we've talked about this over and over. Careful! Your job is not to fix your spouse, sorry, but to constantly edify them. Love builds up. It never tears down, you guys. Like, Anne, Anne writes, pretty much all women I know like to vent, including me. We have powerful emotions that boil in turn within us day in, day out. Tuh. We feel deeply... We love deeply. We're extremely empathetic and sympathetic. We care, but everything, about everything. But these powerful emotions can sometimes turn negative and we need to let them out. How do we generally do this? We like to talk, we like to talk them out. Vent, we feel strongly and we like to talk about it. This does not readily occur in the ma male brain, but in the female brain as talking releases Feel good chemicals like oxytocin and dopamine that alleviate anxiety. Because of this is therapeutic and healing and natural. And then I know you don't always understand this. I know. I know you don't. Um, but it's you're gonna have to start. Sorry, men especially women who have that kind of man mentality. I mean. Awesome, great, sexy, awesome. But at the same time, 
tone it down a little bit, okay? Also, the women who are just women, but yet they're, they, they somehow seem to not understand. You need to learn, okay? So, hold on a second. <clears throat> Where did I, where are my notes here? <clears throat> okay, so, it's not about the nail, except when it is. So the problem with the fix-it mentality within marriage, um, you know, of all places and rights, is one of Mike's teaching engagements for local firefighters on a topic totally unrelated to marriage, okay? So the class went off without a hitch, and the students listened politely and were engaged and interactive, which is what a teacher always hopes for. After the class, several of the firefighters rushed up to Mike, excited to speak with him. He assumed they wanted to discuss the class, and the majority did, but to his surprise, some had other, another agenda. They couldn't wait to show him a video clip and were exactly giddy with excitement to do so. Okay. Later that evening, Mike came home to me. I asked him how his class had gone. He brushed off my question with a fine good, then abruptly changed the subject by saying he had to show me a video clip. He actually giggled as he said so. What in the world did this video have to do with anything, and why was he so determined to show me? The clip started playing on his laptop. He continued to chuckle as I began to watch. The scene opens up with the profile of a pretty young woman talking to her boyfriend or husband who is sitting next to her on a couch, listening patiently. She's describing pain, headaches, how she feels all this pressure, and how she's confused by it all. She then turns to face him, and we see that she has a nail in her forehead. Like, <laughs> a video apparently had an actual, like, pretend nail in her head. And the boyfriend, or husband's eyes, the nail, and says, Well, you do have a nail in your forehead, pointing out the obvious. She tells him, It's not about the nail, and quit trying to fix everything, and you just need to listen. She goes on with her diatribe, which includes her frustration that all her sweaters are snagged, and he is noticeably frustrating and struggling with what to say. At some point, he cautiously says, That must be really hard. She gratefully responds, thank you, as this was all she wanted from him. So, by the time the clip is over, Mike is practically rolling on the floor laugh laughing. This is what the firefighters had wanted him to see, as they knew about my marriage columns. Oh, gosh. I was only slightly amused. In fact, I felt more irritation than anything, and I wanted to defend my sex from male insensitivity. Of course, like, it kind of has been, uh, but... I'm not like I'm not I'm not a big feminist, but it's like okay, you know, guys knock it off. The fix it issue is a major source of conflict in marriage, and I was ruffled by this mockery. Do men really think women are so stupid as to not recognize when we have a nail in our forehead? Do they really believe all our problems are that easily identified and resolved? Enough so to actually make a professional video on the topic? So she she goes on to say that she does talk to him about it and they kind of and they actually do resolve it, um, you know. And and how he has this epiphany to teach it in his class about how you know we sh to be more sensitive, especially to women's uh, needs, wants, and feelings. Um, you know, especially when you have that fix it mentality and you can't fix everything. Guys, we've talked about this before. Even women who have this mentality, we. You can't fix everything. For the love of God, I don't know how many times anyone's got to be into this, into in this to anyone's head, but 
you know, my husband, who is the kind of person he is, I get it. I'm glad he has that mentality, but the thing is, when it comes to certain situations, he can't do it all, and I told him that. I straight up told my husband that. I said, you can't do it all, you're not Superman, okay? Um, you know, just like, you know, you can keep doing compressions and CPR on a person, but what happens if their body literally just says, screw it, I'm not coming back? You know, you can't fix it. Death is inevitable, and we all know that. And I know that sounds so blunt and heartless, but at the same time, yes, it is. It's the truth. And nobody wants to think about dying. No one wants to think about the topic of dying. I don't want to think about the topic of dying, considering I'm pregnant and I have a child that I want to live for, as well as my husband. But at the same time, it's like, you get in your car. Think about it. You get in your car every day. Every damn day to go to work. Okay, you're 9 to 5 or whatever you do. And you're, te you're technically taking a risk on the road. There could be some drunk that you don't know about who hits you all of a sudden. Out of nowhere. Think about it. You're taking a risk every day by getting in your car, turning on the ignition, and driving. Okay? You are. Hell, you're taking the same risk when you're standing in, let's say, a McDonald's. And all of a sudden, something goes wrong in that McDonald's because someone is throwing a fit. And they're threatening, blah, blah, all this and all that. You're, you're putting yourself in danger. It's a risk, okay? So how to identify a nail? Well, so you know it is a nail when action is required, technically. Yes, so many problems in life cannot be fixed, like I just said. Um, but it may impact us. We cannot impact them. So in these instances, taking or venting really is all we can do. And her example, she writes, we have no influence over the economy. We have very little impact on government except for our vote. We can't choose family or coworkers. We can't make people treat us well. We can't control the weather or unexpected illnesses. And we often don't have much to say in the job requirements or salary. These issues are not nails. So what can we fix? Is what, you know, what can? What is a nail? Well, feeling depressed about your weight, you can get on a treadmill and eat less. This is a nail because you can take action, right? If you're feeling overwhelmed by too many work hours, cut back, say no. Action required. Problem fixed. Boom. If there is a distance forming between you and your spouse, make time for each other. Go out on more dates or stay home together. There. Action required. Okay. All right. So... Technically, you just find the nail, realize what the nail is, take action, problem solved. And I know it's easier said than done because it takes practice and it takes time. Sometimes you might even have to write it down in a journal. Sometimes you may have to tell your spouse, hey, we need to sit down and we need to figure something out. Because uh, I can't seem to figure it out right now. And if they're very understanding, they'll sit there with you and they'll say, okay, let's talk it out. Let's find the nail. Number two, you know it's a nail when two or more people witness it. Okay, let's face it. You know, sometimes we ignore our spouse. Okay, let's just face it. We ignore our spouse. Okay, we've done it. All, even us women have done it. We've done it. I've done it to my husband. One ear, not the other, because I was so pissed at him at one point. I was like, no, I don't want to have, I don't want to listen. But I'll, I pretended to, and I was like nodding my head along. Okay? We don't always hear what they say. Like, husbands, admit it. Admit it. 
You often put on your wife ears, quotation marks, and wives. You'll shut down if you feel your husband's being insensitive, whether he actually is or not. We all know it. Or we've heard so many times that it just becomes background noise or whale noises out into the distance. Okay? You know, something that we it's easy for us to turn out, tune out. Okay? But we know we have a nail or a fixable problem when someone else other than our spouse sees it too. Like our friends or our family member, okay? I mean, this is Old Testament stuff. Two or three eyewitnesses are required to convict someone of a capital crime. Two, mind you, as one may be biased. So here's an example. She writes, if both your spouse and your mother think you're awfully tired, heavier, or unhealthy looking, maybe you should see a doctor. Or if both your spouse and your coworker observe that you're always at the fire station, maybe you're working too much. Or if both your spouse and your child detect undue anger, perhaps, firefighter, you've been traumatized on a run and should seek some wise counseling. So multiple witnesses confirm the obvious, and we can no longer deny that the nail exists. You gotta realize, sometimes even the outsiders of your life will notice and will start to converse. Just so you guys know. Number three, nail number three. When you know it's a nail, when you keep applying the wrong medicine all right okay so this is (laughs) she writes this is an oft quoted folk definition of insanity doing the same thing over and over again while expecting different results like norman bates famously says in psycho for those of you who don't know what the movie psycho is watch it okay (laughs) we all go a little mad sometimes we do indeed exhibit madness when we repeat the same old bad habits but expect things to change. We try to fix the nails in our lives with the wrong medicine, which only increases the pain, turning the nail into a railroad spike. All right, all right, all right, all right, all right, all right, all right. Let me tell you something. All right, okay. Let me tell you something. That's true. If you sit there and say you're gonna quit, you're only gonna go to a pack of cigarettes a day. And then, you know, you're vaping at the same time thinking, oh, this is, the vaping's going to help me because it's healthier and I'm going to only get to a pack a day and then I'm going to get down to this how many day, blah, blah, blah. Just so you know, you're still technically smoking nicotine and you're putting actually more into your body. And then when you do grab a couple of cigarettes out of the pack, you're, you're just adding more and more. So honestly, are you really, are you really quitting the bad habit? No, you're continuing it with the wrong medicine, the wrong training in your brain. A lot of people would disagree with me because a lot of people, well, I vape and I'm fine. Well, that's, that's cool and all, but if you haven't done your research like I have, which I'm pretty sure you haven't, uh, considering you're too ignorant to do that. Um, there is actually bad things in that liquid that you put into your vape that isn't exactly the best for you. Okay. Like hard metals and you know, and I, and if my family does listen to this, they're going to be like, you're so stupid. I'm like, well, guess what? Have you sat down and actually done your research to actual like medical claims on these websites? No, you're an idiot. So, um, but thing is, it's not, I'm not telling you to quit vaping. Maybe you should just do the vape and quit the cigarettes cold Turkey completely. 
or you should just like do one cigarette and then vape the rest of the day. Like that's applying different medicine instead of doing the same thing and then not getting anywhere. And then you're, then you're still on the same one pack a day with constant vaping. Okay. So there you go. I know it's probably not the best example, but this, that's what I see as an outsider. I'm like, are you stupid? Um, or are you okay? Like, or you're a drinking problem. Someone's drinking and you know, they're saying I'll quit tomorrow, quit tomorrow. You know, this could be my, my last shot or I'm only going to buy little tiny little shooters and that's all I'm going to drink. Well, guess what? When you buy shooters, they don't last very long. Therefore, that's going to make you want to run to the liquor store and buy more alcohol. Are you actually fixing the damn problem? No, you're not. You're adding, you're just applying the same old medicine that's not working. So she writes, for example, we just, we despair that our clothes are getting too tight. We feel sad and depressed. So what do we do about it? We eat to feel better. Wrong medicine. We can't sleep. We're always tired. We're falling behind at work and are totally stressed out. So what do we do to eliminate the stress? We binge watch TV all night to accept rea to escape reality. I cannot talk. Forgive me. Wrong medicine. Our finances are a mess. We're in debt over our heads, which is pulling us ever downward into, into despair. So how do we lift our spirits? We go shopping online or in the store and buy something new. Wrong medicine. This is insanity, and sometimes it takes a good long look in the mirror to see how we're causing our own problems. Bad habits compound our issues, causing even more pain. It's like taking pain pills for the headaches the nail causes instead of removing it. Masking the problem typically leads to more severe problems or damage. To change bad habits, they must be replaced by good ones, and a spouse can help with this if we let them. Marriage is meant to be a support system, not just any support, but the best available. If you'll listen to each other, you'll better recognize your nails and be able to remove them together. Firefighter, be careful to not fix when listening is what is really required. Learn what your spouse will hear as criticism and never, ever say those things. Okay? Firefighter spouse, remember that sometimes they just can't help themselves. Fixing is their language of love. It isn't meant to be criticism. Have this conversation and be aware of each other's tendencies and deepest needs. It will save you from many unintentional, unnecessary arguments. So what did Mike write for us at the end of this chapter? Well, Mike, fixer-upper? Uh, boy, do we hear this a lot. Hold on a second. My son just threw something. Please do not throw stuff. Thank you. It breaks stuff. Okay, so where do, oh, he goes, how do I get my firefighter just listen and stop trying to fix everything? The good citizens of our cities, towns, districts, and areas call upon us during the worst days of their lives with one pleading desire. Fix this! This being whatever problem initiated called a 911. We react and bring every bit of experience, training, and knowledge we possess to do just that. It seems to be stamped somewhere in our genetic code to fix the problem, as though it is a mandate, a calling. It is very appreciated when played out on the streets assigned to our firehouse and crew. Similar appreciation is not often found, however, when we roll on home to our spouse and apply the same fix-it mentality to them. Typically, our spouses do not want to be fixed. They are not looking for an instant answers or step-by-step -step guide on how to solve the things that we are bringing up. In most cases, our spouse is simply venting and just wants an ear to listen. Even in those instances where, where a solution is being sought, they usually are wanting to collaborate on a solution and just talk about it first. 
Our rush, our rush to handle the problem, we've just been told in a 911 manner, creates its own kind of emergency and one that need not happen. Your spouse is not an addict with a needle in her arm, needing rapid intervention. She is your soulmate or he, needing your tender, patient time and attention. Being what you hate. Okay, so Mike writes, for my fellow fixers, can I remind you of something? We hate micromanagers. We hate them. Bosses who are in our business telling us how to do things instead of taking care of their own worlds are about as frustrating as it gets. Whether you like to hear it or not, the step-by-step fix-it mentality is a form of micromanagement that is just as bothersome when on the receiving end. The resupposition here is that you have all the answers that your spouse couldn't possibly contribute to what you know. It presumes in an arrogant posture that they haven't considered the profound wisdom you are currently extolling from on high and that the answer is really self-evident. Step back a bit and see how you feel when it's you getting this treatment. I bet you wouldn't like it. Uh, Nope, you wouldn't. To you, firefighters, sorry. Uh, Okay. The last paragraph from Mike here. He titled it, Being a team is the trust, or trust, the truest fix. The closing thought I leave here is always seek what the other person needs most. This takes time and is part of growing together as a couple. Lots of trial and error, and hopefully a heavy helping of grace will be need to mature together. But that's what, oh, but that's what you want. You join hands and pledge yourself to each other to be a great team. You recognized you were better in unison than you were going out on your own. As with so many areas we will discuss, this is one of those key times when collaboration is the answer. It will fix the fix-it problem and make much more harmonious decision-making as you proceed. Alright, so, I mean, spouses, it's not easy. I know from experience. I'm still experiencing it, but it's not as bad as it used to be. Because I've sat my husband down I said... I don't know what you do at your job. But you can't come home and think that you can fix everything. You just need to listen. If I want him to fix something, not physically, like the door handle on the door, if I want him to help me through something, I'm going to say, you need to help me. I don't know. I'm in the gray area. I can't pick black or white. And sometimes being a man, that's a little hard because they're like, well, you're a woman, so uh, I don't know. (laughs) So, yeah, I mean, we talk it out. We're a team. When we got married, we unified as a team. Even though a lot of people be like, well, you technically were a team when you were engaged. You were technically a team before you got engaged. Well, yeah, but we could still technically do stuff on our own. That didn't require a lot of backup support. Because at that point in life, how do you know if you were even going to stay together? Until the question was popped. Okay. So, um, I really hope you enjoyed that because I think that's a really important thing to actually, like this segment is really important to listen to. It really is because there's a lot of that fix it mentality. There really is. And I don't think a lot of spouses know how to deal with it. I don't think a lot of firefighters know how to deal with not bringing it into personal life, to be honest. I don't even know how many have read this book. My husband has not read it, guys. I've read it. I've read the damn book and he has not touched one single freaking chapter on its head. You know, and, and to tell you the truth, it's not bad or anything. It's just that I kind of wish he would at least l- listen to some of my segments from this book so he could be like, oh, you know, like, oh, even though he thinks he has it all figured out. 
well, come tell you, there's a lot of firefighters who have not touched this book, and I don't think they get it, but they think they do. All right, so um, next time we'll talk about essential conversation number five. Keep your fam first family first, which, huh, guys, gals, the most important chapter, one of the most important chapters that we'll be going through. Let me tell you something. I hope it pulls at your freaking heartstrings or it gets you to realize this is what's happening and it needs to be fixed. All right. So that'll be chapter eight next time. And I hope you enjoyed it. I hope you have a good rest of the day. Um, and uh, drink lots of water, wash your hands and stay happy, stay healthy. And I will talk to you soon.